0: Father God, we just come before you and we praise and thank you in every day. We just give you glory and honor and adoration. And we ask that you would give us wisdom and understanding, Lord, as we go through Galatians. Help us to realize that we are one new man and that you have given us ways to live and to carry out our belief in you. Strengthen us and guide us. Give us discernment, wisdom, understanding, and
1: knowledge. And we ask all this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Karen. I think everyone has notes. Correct? There are. Well, the teacher, There are some, The notes are right here on the table. Um, let's take the prayer focus later. We can have some notes for those guys. Those folks coming in right now. We'll just do a, a little bit of re, a review. Um, I think some of you may be first class, but even if it's not, it's always good to review to solidify some things and if you have comments on something that you have a question on from before we can do that. So at the beginning of your notes there are just a few bullet points we'll go over that uh, about the book of Galatians and as we said before this is what's called uh, I mean the official terminology for it is an occasional polemic and that the idea is that it's a letter written for a specific purpose and uh, for specific occasions that are going on, to speak against something. And in this case, uh, the idea that you know, the non-Jewish people needed to become Jewish in order to um, be, be, have a right standing with God. Specifically, circumcision was probably in view here. was uh, one of the big issues that, that Paul was writing against. But concerned with legalism and legalizers, not Judaism and Judaizers. Often we talk about Judaizer, Judaizer, not this Judaizer. Sorry, you look when I say Judy every time. But it, uh, but and, and as we'll kind of wrap up today, the fact is that legalism and legal, you know, that kind of stuff can take the, any kind of form, uh, not, just, not just Judaism, per, per se. That's why when people talk about Galatians being, it's all about grace versus law, and the flesh versus the spirit, and faith and works, and freedom and bond versus bondage. The fact is, it's not this versus, it's, it's this and that, this and that. The spiritual life is about, the, you know, the grace and law, faith and works, and so forth. And then also we talked about the idea that, that a lot of the background for what was what was going on at this time was historical. That uh, you read in the Book of Acts how there were crowds gathering into the synagogues, and a lot of this is really what created the the problems. In a sense, is that you know the the, the Jewish people who had, were sort of a protected class in a sense. Um, now, if anybody just anybody could join without having to quote unquote convert, this could jeopardize their status with the government. They were protected in, in freedom of worship and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of those type of historical pieces going on here as well I put the quote there from, from the book of Acts um, for us as well or the, not the book, the sort of a, a paraphrase of maybe the mindset of what was going on that unless people were circumcised this could be a, a problem so we need to put some barriers to entrance into the community um, and then that uh, the, the, the thing to remember is that the Jewish followers of Yeshua um, expressing their faith in a, in a, in a Jewish way, that, that's really not an issue that's not what Paul's speaking about we have always got to zoom out and look at what the, 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 the issues were, what the occasion was for the writing. And then Paul, really doesn't, Galatians doesn't really speak to this. You know, Paul is talking about not needing to become Jewish, but he's, he's not addressing the Jewish faith practices per se. That's kind of a given for Jewish for, for Jewish believers at least. Um, and then we ended uh, last week with what I think is very important to, to realize is that. At the, a lot of things are at the foundation, but one of the foundational things is Paul's talking about the good news, and he doesn't want things to jeopardize the good news or the gospel. And and we talked about what that is that he lays out pretty much in the first several verses of, uh, of, of chapter 1 here, as well as uh, finishing up in verse 9, but that the good news is that Yeshua was raised from the dead, that his atoning death was the, for, for forgiveness of sins, salvation, and obedience to God's will. Um, that's all for God's glory. Those are the things that the... Um, when he talks about another gospel, what are, you, what are you going to measure up to another gospel? These are the things. You, anything that anyone else is preaching has to measure up to the fact that, look, the gospel is that Yeshua was raised from the dead, that his death and the forgiveness of sins and obedience to God's will, that's all for God's glory. That's the, that's the good news, and that anything else needs to measure up to that. Um, and then in verse 9, which is kind of where we ended last week and where, where we're going to pick up tonight, um, that we, we said that you know, all people come to God in the same way, but not not all people are the same as they come to God. And that's very important that that everyone does not come to God the same way. In other words, not being the same. So there's a unity uh, in the body of Messiah that transcends all distinctions. It transcends all distinctions, it does not eliminate all distinctions. It's not trying to um, make the playing field, not the playing field, but not make everybody the same necessarily. So those are kind of the, the main things that we've the kind of ground that we've covered, which is a lot of groundwork, which is, I think, very important to kind of know what the foundation is going in here. But any, any uh, comments or, or questions um, that uh, that uh, that you've thought of from these last couple of weeks or anything from these kind of bullet points that we've talked about so far or anything that's impressed you, or impressed upon you? Since I haven't been
2: here, you're, you're
3: starting at Galatians
1: one and going down through nine. That's where you guys... We've kind of gone, I mean, we've, we've been... A, a, Heim sort of shotgun the first week, and then last week I uh, did a lot of these points, and probably got down through about verse nine. So we're going to start right around nine today. Okay. So yeah. Right.
3: And the rest of the notes are on the web. They are. You can actually get the
1: PDF of the notes as well as the recordings. so okay. oh. so,
4: so then it's okay if buy shotgun something? Sure. Yeah. So Revelation, you want to
1: talk about the, with the Apache helicopters and Revelation? I'm sure.
4: So what always struck me is is very uh, reassuring, shall we say, coming from. Uh, Christian background to a messianic background uh-huh. was Galatians 3:26, uh-huh. and I thought that that was uh, uh, not very well known by a lot of Christians, and certainly the uh, same could probably be said of uh, my friends that are Jewish. That that uh, you know there is there's no more distinction. You don't get to own um, this plus a little of that makes yeah. it okay. It's you're yeah. all the
1: same. You're all new. In a spiritual way, when you read everyone's everyone the, when, is, right. And it is a spiritual, when you read, you know, I gave a message on Ephesians about a, four years ago about the one new man, and that's, you know, the idea is what is the one new man? It's not that, you know, when you picture the one new man, do you ever picture the one new man with a, with a talit and kippah? Well, you tend not to. <laughs> the fact is, wh- why is that not the one I mean, the point is, you tend to think of some, you know, like Time Magazine says, this is what the, you know, if you were to meld all the people in the world, this is what the average earthling looks like, and it's some, you know, uh... Five foot six inch Chinese person, quite frankly, is this kind of look, but that's not what the one new person is. It's not like they get everyone together and mix them up. So, um, Nancy, you had something?
0: Well, in that day, they could say, well, I'm a Gentile for sure, and Mm -hmm. this guy could say, I'm a Jew for sure. Yeah. Nowadays, what are we? We're uh, Pines 57. Possibly. So, um,
1: unless your name is (laughs) Katz.
0: Well, yeah. (laughs) But as, I'm right. speaking of myself. Sure, no. Sure. In a lot of ways, we don't. I'm definitely Heinz yeah. 57. Uh, so, uh, what does that mean for me in terms yeah. of custom?
1: So, there's a book I would recommend. You remember, Eitan Shishkov came. You remember Etan Shishkov? And yes, it just came from Israel. Yeah. He did a book called What About Us, kind of about the role of Gentiles. Because that's not necessarily what we're going to talk about in Galatians, but I'd recommend this book if you haven't read that. It's called What About Us kind of long so uh, let's pick up let's go ahead and pick up in verse in verse 9 here today um, and see where we are with that foundation uh, could somebody read just just um, verses 9 and 10 of uh, of, of chapter one and we'll, we'll pick up from there and if no one I'll do the whole thing like Heim will say you look like you're, you're volunteering so somebody just pipe up if you'd like otherwise we'll do that
2: as we have said before, so now I repeat: If anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, let that one be accursed. Am I now seek? Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval, or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of the Messiah.
1: Okay. So this is this is Paul. You know, he started off giving his qualifications Uh, asserting his his, um, authority and so forth. And this is, now he's kind of turning to um, his defense in a sense. And clearly his offense is, you know, that that he's been accused of trying to please people. It's a very strong statement. And I think a a good thing, and we'll talk about it a bit, but a good thing to meditate on, um, you know, because it's a strong statement there that he's clearly saying, you know what, if you're pleasing people, but we need to talk about what that really means in his case, if you're pleasing people, that is the opposite of serving God. Like, you can't do both kind of things. But in what way is Paul trying to please people? I mean, we can talk about this, I think it's fair enough for us to make an application, and we will, to an extent of, you know, people pleasing. But in a sense, that's what Paul's doing. But specifically... um, what is it you think that he is doing as far as pleasing people or what being, they're accusing him of? And we've talked about it already. He's trying to keep our minds in it. I come
2: all things to all men.
1: In this particular case, not, not necessarily. But that what, is something, What's that?
2: what did she, she say?
1: What's that? She said uh, being all things to all men, she said.
2: That is not why you're saying. That is not
1: why. In this particular, you this think
2: people are right. He was a people
1: pleaser. Not for this particular occasion in Galatians. Not not exactly. I
0: think he's saying he's he's not pleasing anybody.
2: Nobody's being accused of. Yeah. Because this is the question, it is a rhetorical question.
1: Yeah, I mean his answer obviously is no. I mean he, remember, in this is this is um, a review, but he's he's being accused. Uh, the pe- that the people here that you know, I'm trying to please people. Those people are Gentiles, right. and and he's, try- he's trying to. You know, people are accused. The, the accusation is that Paul, you're just giving these Gentiles an easy road to to God by um, telling them they don't have to be circumcised. That's a big obstacle. We all had to do it, and they're not having to do it. You're telling them they don't have to do that. So you're just you know pleasing people. That's the specifics of what they're saying is that. Um, you know, that, that they're saying it's an easy road and they kind of want this exclusivity kind of thing um, and there's a little bit of that us versus them thing going on there, again with the crowded synagogues and there's them and there's us and why can they get in and so forth, but uh, what, what, Paul's, what Paul's driving at is um, an exclusivity of, of loyalty in a sense, um, but that's, that's the thing that he's being accused of, accused of specifically. But again, I think it's, it's okay for us to take a broader application in terms of you know, what does this mean? Does this mean for, for us? And this is not, we wanna look at the exact context of what's being said here. But when it comes to people pleasing, I think that is important because um, does this mean that we should try to displease people? <laughs> or engage in zero consideration of, of other people? And if so, in what, in what sense? I think I put in notes here um, what does loyalty to God look like <coughs> when interacting with others? Does it mean inflexibility so as not to please others? Uh, offending and straining relationships no matter the cost? And you might say, well, I don't know what you might say, but you might say, of course not. But in reality, do you think that ever does happen? That believers, you know, say, come, you know, whatever high water, I'm not I'm not giving an inch, you know, kind of thing. Legalism. Huh? Legalism.
5: Yeah? Legalism? I, I sometimes you
1: have to make a stand. I saw, hold on a second, Maurice, I didn't see, because I saw a hand over here. Yes, ma'am. Does your, does your comment address that? If it doesn't, you can still say what you were going to say. I wouldn't say so. No, but you can still. i hold, <laughs> hold the thought for No, you, you can answer
2: her so I can speak No, you go ahead, good. Ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying that I know one situation where people are afraid, to be honest. Um, they hate to think of a loved one of theirs who's religious, mm-hmm. but not really believer. Like, maybe are very religious, too. Uh-huh. And they have a hard time saying, well, I don't think that person will make the grade. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't sure. Right. And that's where they may
1: try to. I don't, to say, I don't
2: think it's good to see uh, that,
1: that that person will make it all the same. Okay. Well, you know, this, this the reason I stopped here today is because I really a couple things mm-hmm. stood out to me. So, in terms of how do we, you know, how do we please? Every, the point is we, we ultimately have to please God, but the way that plays out sometimes, I think, trips some of us up. I can think of a couple of examples. Um, People specifically, even in this congregation, mention names, and this is not. This is actually good examples um, where you know, does someone who does not come to services every week, well, are they compromising in some sense? You know. Um, for example, specifically, I think of I think of husband you know, wife type of things where we have maybe one spouse that comes and the other one doesn't, and then sometimes when that spouse doesn't come, they're home with their spouse, and we might think, well, that's. That's a compromise, you know. And I want to challenge that for a minute to think, you know what, this is not as cut and dry as I think we think it is. Because there are things, there's a little bit, you know, there's, there are things where, for instance, loyalty to a spouse might actually, or loyalty to a marriage vow and a particular marriage, look at this guppy over here, <laughs> um,
4: might actually
1: override, you know, coming to services every single week. I'm not, I'm not advocating none of that. The point is it's a little, it's not as cut and dry as I think we'd like to to make it. Um, Again, this doesn't mean, again, I want to measure this up against a zero tolerance policy. You know what a zero tolerance policy is, right? Everyone knows of a zero tolerance policy. Um, There might be some quote unquote compromise and that doesn't mean compromise of one's faith, but there can be times I think compromise of certain of certain things for a period of time. We've had this exact situation in our congregation before where, you know, my spouse is not quite with me here and what do I do? And they feel there's a guilt feeling and so forth. But again, this isn't exactly what Paul's talking about. I think we can draw out the application of what it means to be uh, people pleasing, um, and and consider that that, you know, I think I do think that often Believers tend to take a zero-tolerance policy, no, no compromise. It, it, it's this way, it's that way, period. And, I don't, and that, my personal opinion is that that's doesn't. It's not always the case. I saw Pauline's hand first. If you don't mind. I'll fight you for it. Yeah, <laughs> no fight.
3: Kind of what I see, I guess, is both sides of the pendulum, uh-huh. we either fall off one cliff or we fall sure. off the other. Cliff. Uh-huh. It's like, we either have legalism and, you know, you have to do this, 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 right. and this, or you're not doing it right. Uh-huh. Or we just open up the <laughs> indoor's box and anything goes. And we right. don't want to offend anybody and we don't right. seem to be able to differentiate between you know, when do you make that line mm-hmm. that this is what God says and right. we're not going to cross that line ever. Right. And when do you I was thinking of the passage where it says to be at peace, be at shalom with everyone. Mm-hmm. And, but then there's a clause there that says something about what? To the extent If it's, if it's at all. If it's possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always think of that as, you know, right. you want to be at peace with everybody, but right. there are times where you say, uh-uh, right. I'm not doing
1: that. And before I get to, because the reason I'm bringing this up and maybe think, make us think about it is because we from the very beginning, I think even Heim mentioned in the first week, there is a lot of nuance, not a lot of ambiguity, but there is more nuance than I think we want to give credit to. We want to say, again, it's this or that, it's Torah, not Torah, when we get to the end of where Repi- I'm hoping, hoping to finish tonight, you know, uh, uh, f- spying out our freedom you know, that we have in Messiah. What does a freedom in Messiah mean? We often think, you know, it's a very solid kind of line here. What were you going to say, Maurice? Well, isn't the concept of
2: people does something out of fear of rejection, so that if, mm. if ever a reason for doing something is not out of a fear of rejection, I mean, that's, a,
1: that's not being a people pleaser. Right, exactly. We're talking about, ultimately, the picture here Paul's talking about, we'll see, is that he's talking about serving God, period. And that might mean some things that don't necessarily look, you know, like, they're, you know, it, it might even look like compromise sometimes, where a person's coming to a service or something without their spouse or they're not coming because they're spouse and we think, that's compromise, you're not gonna be blessed. There are also there you know, the marriage covenant is a very important thing. I mean there are so there are times when when it's not doing it maybe not to get the spouse, you know, like you're saying, not for the reasons of fear of rejection. But there are times when serving God might look a little different than what we think what we think it is. In this case, again, Paul's real defense, kind of going back to what Paul's talking about, is him saying to to these people that I am not um, taking sides here you know I'm not preaching a gospel that's aimed at putting you know, non, uh, non-Jewish people against Jewish people it's showing valentism and remember that ultimately everybody comes as their call this is kind of getting us back to the, to the text what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7 that you come as your call that there's room for everybody um, and you know as, as we get further along in the book you'll see even, in, even as we get into the end of this, this chapter we see that Paul went away for a while uh, it's, it's debatable. You know, did, he was, did he just go and live like a life of a, of a hermit and study in a cave somewhere on his own for three years? Uh, he probably didn't. He probably taught along the way, but the fact is he wasn't being taught by the other Jewish believers and he, he did develop... I mean, Paul is unique, there's no question uh, that he developed his own his own theology, so to speak, that meshed the things he knew with the things that he was learning. Um, let's, uh, let's go on at verses 11 and 12 here. Um, Monday, uh, great. why don't you just read 11 and 12 if you don't mind
4: uh,
1: I want you to know brothers
4: that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up uh, did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it rather I, I received it by
1: revelation from Jesus Christ oh my goodness look at that so is I think I mentioned this last week I asked the question Paul talks about not receiving the gospel according to a human or from a human does that strike you as odd at all no. mm-hmm. I mean so again I think I asked the question last week who in here did not who in here did not receive quote unquote the gospel message here from a human so you receive it directly from God I
3: didn't ever have anybody go through
1: yeah. but the, but the, but that, the, that's but wonderful one I mean one person most likely some of us heard it from somebody so does that is, is Paul saying here that it's not legitimate to receive the gospel from a human source I mean, uh, and where I'm going with this is a thing called inspiration because uh, the answer is yes and no. I mean, clearly Paul, even in this message, he's transmitting the gospel to us in this letter. I, I, is, it, is it from him then? What's Karen? Yes you have
0: He was the first one that went to the Gentiles. Hmm. True? Uh, I don't know if he was the
1: few that first one, but he, that was, he was saying that was his primary calling, although we see he doesn't do that exclusively.
0: So he was getting the word directly from God to tell them it's, and he says
1: it, he said he got it from directly to God, my, and, my, and I'm kind of, where the direction I'm going is what exactly does that mean, I think it's, it's an important, uh, not a detour at all, but this goes to inspiration, we talk about revelation, getting revelation from God, I think that's actually something they're talking about next door tonight, but you know we say that the scripture is inspired, maybe this is something that you've thought of before, maybe it's something you've not really thought of before, but what does it mean when we say the scriptures are inspired, it's the same thing that Paul's saying here, that he did not receive this from human tradition, he received this directly from God. What does it mean to receive something what does it mean something's an inspiration? Specifically, the scriptures. How do you answer, you know, that the scriptures are inspired by God? Well uh,
2: Paul it when well, he went to Damascus and they wrote to Damascus and they have it that that line in the and, sure. and said, Well, you persecute me, and Joshua, you and Yeshua, who we persecuting. And that was false revelation. Right. In,
1: other,
2: in other words, in, in the gospel like it is, uh, like you say in the, New, in the New Testament, it was not even right at that. Was it what? It was not right. It was not right. Was it? It, was it was not written, written yeah. Right. So, so we have a different, it's a different time or different, mm-hmm. uh, it's different now than what it was then.
1: What, what's your, uh, have you thought of an answer if someone asked you about the, in, the inspiration of Scripture? These are just written by man, human, because clearly they are, aren't they? The, the, yeah, the, the but Scriptures? There's only one author. There's many of us. Okay. 66 writers, but there's one author. How does yeah. that work? Anyone, I mean, how does that work? It's a mystery. Okay. Oh, it's a mystery. You can't go right there. we got to look a <laughs> little <laughs> I would say that he's claiming
0: himself to be a prophet of God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's sure. just ordinary enough to do that. And he's well, doing it so no probably <laughs>
1: So, I on.
0: think okay. of Paul going to Damascus and having this huge argument with God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No way! I'm a, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees.
1: Right.
0: Uh, you don't won't really want me going into Gentile homes, mm-hmm. do you?
1: Yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, when it when it comes to inspiration, and again, I'm, I'm sure this this is the same. This is kind of the, the thing I want to, um, to, to to stop on for a moment is. Is what exactly is inspiration, and this might be review for you, or maybe it's maybe it's not. I don't know. But I think it's important. This is, these are foundational issues um, because again, all the scriptures are are inspired from us, for us. Uh, and Paul's saying that he's receiving uh, inspiration. Um, have you ever, heard, you know, people talk about that the word of God is inerrant? You ever heard that before, inspired. What, what is kind of the phrase you hear? It's it's inerrant, inerrant. In well, like, inspired. Yeah, inspired. Sometimes people will say in the original autographs. You know, you ever heard that? Yeah. And, and and kind of what that means is that if we had the you know first edition, right, that would be in spot. That would be perfect and inerrant. The fact is we don't have it, so we, that's kind of why we say, well, if we had the in the original, it's always that's kind of usually specified there. Um, if we did have those, they would be perfect. And as we don't have the originals, I do want to look at least what the Bible says that, that we do have you know, what, what the Bible does say um, again, what does inspired writing mean? Does it mean, you know you close, someone had their eyes closed and they just their hand got lifted by the Spirit and it started writing, I mean, is that what it means? And it's perfect and inerrant no errors or anything? Um, most of you are probably familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16 you won't go there, but how about 2 Peter 1 Uh Twenty to twenty-one. <clears throat> Look at that real quick. One
4: twenty-one.
1: Yeah, Second Peter uh, one verses twenty to twenty-one. Because Second Timothy three sixteen, you know, and we come the context that of Second Timothy three sixteen is actually under persecution. You go back to what what you know, which is the Word of God, which is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, and in Second uh, Peter one verses twenty to twenty-one is another uh, inspired kind of verse it says that above all above all understand this that no prophecy of scripture comes about from a person's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever brought forth by human will rather people spoke from God as they were moved by the the Ruach HaKodesh so um, and you've got people involved you've got people's intelligence involved you've got got writing styles involved all these other human factors but the, the scriptures were ultimately written by people you know, it's not—it's not that it was uh, is written by the finger of God, like the, maybe the Ten Commandments were, and so forth. You see, over and over again in Scripture, the refrain of "Thus says the Lord." Um, so ultimately, responsible, responsibility for Scripture is on is on God. So this this kind of ends up where Marie said there's a bit of mystery in what it means to receive God's revelation, as Paul says here. But when you read this, when you talk, when you read something of Paul's revelation, or any revelation uh, Scripture. It's real. It's something to be respected, and again, this is something to be sought after. This is something to continue to talk about because we study and we try to figure things out, and, and it's true we can do that. But at the end of the day, we need to really respect and desire, and it's it, it sounds trite just to say we need to pray for God's revelation, but that is a fact because it is this mysterious thing that we don't really understand. But that's really ultimately what we need, and that's why Paul is, you know, saying that you know this is this has come from God. You know, um, any. And over. Yes. Sylvia. I,
2: I was thinking um,
5: uh, Paul heard Stephen uh-huh. talk about the gospel
1: yeah. Yeah.
5: so he first heard it from man right. but he didn't get the revelation of it until the road to Damascus yeah. mm-hmm. so
1: yes.
5: wasn't that the inspiration
0: when he understood
1: yeah well certainly that was the beginning for him I think you see like with what with, with Rosemary said there was a, a like you know a training period or something or an answer is even alluding to this time that he had alone he went off because he continues as we're going to read on here that once he got this revelation he disappeared and this is you know only the Lord knows exactly what that whole training process looked like and how that, how that was revealed to him but that's that was the start of it for sure it was definitely the start of it um we look at verses 13 and 14 here. This is this is uh, we talked. Definitely don't want to miss this because we, we touched on it last week. This was the preview I gave you, and I want to I want to get back to uh, to what I was talking about last week. That uh, verses 13 and 14, after Paul, so Paul is now giving his defense. For I'm not taking sides with people. I've got this revelation straight from God. He said, "Look, you guys," he says, "you have heard of my earlier behavior in Judaism, how I persecuted God's community beyond measure, and tried to destroy it." Um, I was even advancing within Judaism beyond many my own age among my people, being a more extreme observer of my father's tradition. So this is talking about oral as well as written Torah. Um, They had heard of Paul. He he says, I know you guys heard of me. Some of them had had never seen him before, but they'd heard of him. And the persecution that he he, uh, undertook was negative. Was, was this discussion of the advancement in Judaism, do you, do you, I mean, in this, this group maybe you don't, but I think this is often viewed as this is all negative. You persecuted, that was negative. You were advancing in Judaism, that was negative and useless and wasteful. Um, it wasn't necessarily linked with the persecution. These two things are not necessarily linked at all. Um, so there's two things that they heard here, good and bad, I think. Right? Persecution, and they heard advancement. This whole idea of advancing in Judaism beyond, you know, amazingly, again, I think is often put in the light of this is clearly a bad thing.
0: Uh,
1: But the fact is, I want you to think about this for a moment, compare this to another person in the Bible, uh, a guy named Moshe, okay, Moses. I think there's a real strong parallel here that can shed some light uh, on this. I, mean, I don't think many of us in the room are really of this mindset, but I still want to go over it. Uh, these are two people that were both trained, uh, two people that were poised and ready, two people that were prepared by God, two people that it was not any accident that Moses, for example, let's like Moses for a minute, that was used or chosen by God, okay? Okay. Um, in fact, you know, have you ever heard that Moses? You know, he was not a man of words. He has a stutter. Have you heard that one? He was slow of tongue and so forth. And we think, what an unlikely candidate! You know, poor, poor, poor stuttering, you know, uh, autistic Moses. that I mean, God used him. You know, um, I don't buy that. Uh, I don't buy that, that Moses was a stutter. In fact, if you read the Bible, where does it? Who, who, who ever said that Moses had a stutter? Moses. Moses. Moses, Moses said that. Okay. Um, nowhere else in Scripture do we find do we find that that information, and moreover, in the Book of Acts, chapter seven, uh, we read in verse twenty-two, it says that Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was powerful in words and deeds. And the Greek there is, is uh, that word you probably dynamis. That's where we get dynamite from. It, it's an idea of power in speaking. And works, and his works. Uh, doesn't sound like a stutterer to me. And that was actually, um, this was before he fled to Midian. It wasn't like, you know, he fled to Midian and became a stutterer in his wasted years and so forth. The fact is, I think Moses, when, when it comes to, to Mo, you know Moses, he was powerful in word and deed. And, uh, again, I think you could rattle off all kinds. When, when Moses says, God, you know, what, why send me? I'm slow or whatever. I think you could really rattle off all kinds of reasons why Moses was, in fact, the best person for for the job, that he was raised in the Egyptian culture, he received the best Egyptian education, he was also a Hebrew, um, and who better for the job, right? And that's the same, the reason I spent time there is because I think that's the same picture of, of Galatians here, when Paul's talking about, I advanced in Judaism, it wasn't just to say that, and that was just such a, you know, it's the same picture of of Moses in the fact that how he was poised as well. It's exact same uh, with Paul, I believe. You look at verse fifteen uh, for a moment. We didn't uh, read through there to that point, but it says, uh, and I'm going to get I'll get back to the to the to the but. Um, it's usually most of your translation say but when God who set me apart from birth, okay, set me apart from birth. Literally it says, uh, God uh, from the belly of my mother, which is. From birth, I guess the same thing, right? Um, not only was was Paul's Judaism not a thing to be trashed and of no account, it was, uh, I believe, a necessary part of the plan, just like with Moses. When you read uh, in Moses in chapter fifteen, when he's saying this is what's going to happen your people are going to go into, into into slavery and so forth, in in there in Genesis fifteen, uh, God says, "Know this for sure." It's a very emphatic. Uh, in Hebrew, the Hebrew is very emphatic saying, know this for sure, that this is what's going to happen. In other words, this is all part of the plan uh, that he's telling Abraham there in Genesis 15, way before Moses, and it's the exact same kind of emphatic stuff here that's going on when Paul is like, look, this was happening, I was set apart for this before. It wasn't like my Judaism and all my my advancing in Judaism was just sort of like, that just happened to me my background. That was a specific, that was specifically planned that way, all part of this, uh, this plan. Um, we see this for other characters like Isaiah and Jeremiah that they were you know, chosen in their mother's womb and so forth so don't miss that these verses are speaking about an underlying characteristic of Paul um, it's it's not it, on the one hand it is that God had this plan for him and so forth he was advancing in Judaism but he also this also speaks to ambition this also speaks to ambition this is all speaking to Paul's to Paul's character you know, you know that, that's that's not, that's also what's on display here—not just the details of his background. And for us, I think you know it's important to look into the deeper things that motivate us, deeper ways that God has wired you, um, because those are the things that He can and He will use in you. Now, think about, for example, uh, if you're like a good—let's uh, say you're a good, a good piano player, for example. Okay, I know a good piano player. There's a few of them in here, There's a little one there too, a couple of them. But you know. If you're a good piano player or anything, quite frankly, there could be an underlying talent for that or a, a knack. But there also could just be that, you know, you're pretty ambitious because you practice a whole heck of a lot. You're not going to find many good musicians, good at anybody that's just stumbled into it. There's a lot that goes into it. So it speaks to maybe ambition uh, as well. So it's not just, you know, hey, you're really talented, but you've got ambition. And that translates into all other areas of life. And that's what's being spoken about for Paul here. Going back to the but in verse 15, if you were here last week, you heard me talk about this word kai, uh, right? I said, it means and even also, and why are they translating it but? And then I went home and I said, I don't know if any of you all looked it up, but it's not chi, it's uh, it's uh, dead, okay? It's not chi. However, that dead is what they call an adversative, which means but. But it doesn't only mean but. Um this, uh, it's, it's a tiny bit linguistically less of a, of a but but it's still accepted that, that this really should be translated more like since or because of this uh, one author said that uh, the deck better carries the meaning of even right so even when all this was going on Paul responds to the call and that remains within divine bounds and really um, I think I put this in, in your notes here if I'm skipping around for it uh, when you look at an, an adversative, means that you know you're you're saying this but this right really what the whole but if, even if we translate it as but this is not a simple matter of what does this word mean you to look at the whole idea in this sentence or this these, these verses and the whole idea is Paul saying look this is the way my life was going along this was my plan but God had a different plan um, so that's really what's going on. It's not, it's not saying that, you know, God rescued this poor Paul guy from a life of legalism. Right? In other words, like I said last week, haven't you read Galatians? You're in the Messianic congregation, you do Jewish stuff, haven't you? You've read Galatians carefully, haven't you? Like, that's usually the, the, the You know, like basically saying, you know, you don't have to do all that stuff. That's because Paul was doing all that, but it was so much better. That's not what's being talked about here. It's not that God rescued this Paul from from a, a life of legalism uh, it's all a part of God's plan it's not that God's plan had changed. what it's saying here is that Paul Paul's plan changed actually but it did not render his past irrelevant it's not what's being spoke, he's not speaking about his, his past here um, this has to be the thing that sets the tone for Paul's life his ministry it, meaning his past and his Judaism all this stuff is foundational for what he's doing that it's necessary it's a useful foundation it's not insignificant. Uh, rubbish, you know. Yes, ma'am. And
2: I, I said rubbish.
1: It. Look at that. You, that's why you spoke up. Mm. You knew what I said.
2: Um, uh, and I agree with you. Thank you.
1: That. That's that's the right answer. Yes. <laughs> 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 but I'm thinking I could I could see somebody um, going to the passage where Paul talks
2: about and all these things I count as done.
1: Yes. And saying is. yes,
2: but here he's trying to, and, and and they're not understanding. He's not again saying that, that that his past was therefore worthless.
1: Yeah. But
2: that's where I think people would go, even more so than him. That's
1: where they would go. They would, and that's why I think it's also important to look at even the, the Moses situation, because you know, in one sense, Moses, you know, thought well, all that stuff back in Egypt that was a, that was a waste, and now I'm just a kind of a lonely shepherd. This is great, but none of that was wasted. None of your none of your past is is wasted, um, but again. Exactly, I think people would go there. And that's why I think it's important for us to to, to look at the context for even if this tra- this word is translated but, it's not a but that's speaking against the advancement in Judaism, but that was no good. It's the fact that I had these plans, but God had other plans. And these plans, even the, even even that plan of advancing in Judaism and all this kind of stuff, was still part of the plan. Maybe I saw it a little differently, but that was all important and valuable, just like Moses' upbringing. that. Exactly.
5: Just I think the key to this little passage that we're discussing mm-hmm. discussing, yeah. is when he says, I did not consult any man. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with what you were saying about he was doing things the way he thought he should do them. Then he had this revelation. Then he went away for three years. Right. And it was him and God. He didn't... Because he, he, all of that, what he was before, that all was studying under other religious leaders it was all man
1: right
5: and then he got this revelation and then he saw things in a completely different way
0: but and he didn't consult any man
5: (laughs) he went away for three years he already had an intense knowledge of the scriptures and he probably just soaked it up in a different way like you interpret it differently when you're when you're a believer than when you're not right and so you know he adjusted his thinking he he lined it up with God. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that when he says I didn't consult any man, that's key. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't have right. anything to do with throwing away anything that he learned. It has to do with okay, now I know. Now I really know God.
1: Right. And some and of this. Now
5: I'm going to rethink everything. Right. And do it the way God wants me to do it.
1: Some of it also is likely an, allu- an all- allusion, not illusion, but allusion to the fact that we, we know Paul studied under rabbis and we think, and then some are accusing him hey, you guys just, you went to J- Jerusalem you got this information from these guys who were Judaizing there and that's the actual um, implication as well so you're right, you were going to say something uh, or you were agreeing with
0: she said it even better oh, okay. than
1: I could <laughs> okay, alright um, I do think there's sometimes, I, I don't know if you, if anyone here is is a regretful person you know I don't mean like that's your whole character but You regret. I wish I I should have done this, should have done that. and why did I waste? You know, we we pray sometimes about you know, may the Lord restore the years that the locusts have eaten. You know, I've heard that prayer prayed here a lot. Not that it's a bad thing, but I think we sometimes regret, lament, and you know, I say the um, the woulda, shoulda, coulda, if only Ida. You heard that before? Does that make sense to you, Okay. (laughs) Shoulda, woulda, coulda, if only Ida. And the fact of the matter is, no, we need to. We need to flush that kind of stuff. You know, I, uh, I thought about the example of you know, somebody who maybe was very involved in sports, you know, and, I, and my whole life was about sports, and I spent all my time idolizing sports, and certainly in, in America that's a big thing that happened, you know, it becomes the end-all be-all from when you're five. What sport are you going to play? You know, like you know, you've know, got to be a, an athlete, and at some point maybe you decide that I spent all my time training and, and honing my reflexes, and it was all just such a waste, i.e. I was advancing in sports beyond my peers and I was the best and but that was I just it's all trash and then you're walking across the street and there's a car coming and little kids there and you dart out and pick the kid up well, all of a sudden I think that uh, that training and that ability that seemed to come in handy didn't it and it's not like that's a big a big waste um, and so you don't count your sports background as loss <coughs> compared to the saving of, of that life yes Karen after all was said and done Paul went in yeah, and you look at all the you know he's the apostle or the, or the, or the evangelist to the to the Gentiles and he's yes and no, not necessarily. Two verses after he says that he's back in the synagogue. I mean this is this is there's, again there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance here as well. Um, so again, just to hammer this a little further, I, I don't see this. That's a D E D-E. By the way, but de- <laughs> um, even if it must be translated as but. I don't see it as some amazing turn of events which I think it's often viewed as an amazing turn of events for Paul. He was headed this way and that was just the wrong direction um, it was an amazing revelation of look what God was doing all along and I didn't even see it coming, you know. it was all necessary and good um, David, I think yes,
2: I think how Christians don't really see that is Paul was a Jew and then he became a Christian oh yeah
1: there's a whole thing that Michael Brown talking. i trying to remember how you phrase it like, you know, in some, I forget which verses he's looking at. Real Paul was a Jew, now a Christian, talking to other Christians. It was like, it's completely the opposite of what of kind of what we see it. Um, so, yeah, it's exactly, I think, how it's. And again, I'll maybe preach it to the choir. I've seen it, I've, exa- I've seen it, but you say that
2: worded that way in Yeshua, too, so. sometimes.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was the first Christian, <laughs> oh, no. right? not necessarily. Um, you know, the, again, so, so, so the. Well, can I add something? Yes, yes, sir.
4: From a Christian perspective, um, I, be, I believed when I first read this that he was adding the ability, he was validating his Judaist background and training to make it easier for other people to accept what he was preaching.
1: Yes. That
4: he did give up a lot. But this is the truth, and it's worth it, and he would not be bound by anything of his past going forward in the future right. if they were going to use that to try to shackle him into play in the corner. So I think this was a validation statement that mm-hmm. he was, this is all good, but God used it, and now I'm on a different path. Right. With this book understanding, but as Judy said, and I believe that to be, I agree, 100%. Now when you tie that with the shackles coming off your eyes, and you know, on the words, this is a living document. So to read the Bible as a non-believer and then read it as a believer are two totally different mm-hmm. concepts. Hmm. Yeah. So at least that's the way I looked at it, coming from
1: right. my background. Right. Right. So uh, after my you know my statement last week of why is it but why is it but I, I want to conceptually say yes, why is it but? It's not but in the sense that we always think but. I'm actually fine now with the word being translated <laughs> but, but you've got to think about the idea is not um, the, the but is the distinction, the, the versatile between the teaching of humans, the teaching of men, and the teaching of God. When you look at this in context, he's saying I was doing all this stuff, but what happened was God grabbed me and then I went off and, and I was not taught by any human. So the idea is the but is Teaching of men versus the teaching, you know, of, of God. Uh, it's not that I was advancing in Judaism, but that wasn't good. You see the difference, the slight distinction there. It's not a but, but you know, Judaism. You know, anyways, you get the point. <laughs> uh, and you really see that in the following verses. So it's important to look at you know verses in a, in a chunk here. We got to look like verses 13 to 17 to really see this picture of what's being um, juxtaposed against, you know, what two things are being Juxtaposed here, put against each other, it's the butt of our will, the, you know, his will versus the butt of God's will, and and this is this is you know the, the, I don't know how many Pauls there have been. This is certainly a unique person that was used in time. Uh, I was reading a particular author that was talking about you know we need to pray for more Pauls. And I think there are more coming. Uh, you look at some of the like the chosen people ministries uh, stuff and certain missionaries. There's a there's a guy right now. I think I'm not saying he's the next Paul, but in a sense similar. Um, a guy named Yitzhak Shapira wrote the book uh, *Return of the Kosher Pig*. That guy. Who, I mean, he's kind of like this in a sense. They can operate in both worlds. This is part of kind of that uh, that um, the, the seminar, the, the the conference that Chaim went to last week. They talked about a Shabbat to the the ministry to the ultra orthodox and so forth. I mean, this is this is in a sense, you know, there are people operating in this sphere in, in one sense. Um, so again, we can't just throw away. We shouldn't even consider. This is not what this is speaking about. About you know, advancing in Judaism was a, was a problem that wasn't good. It's about it was about you know, the, the direction of God versus the direction of, of of man, and you really see that when you read it all in context. Yes. A quick comment. on yeah, that. Sure. I, I also, um,
2: Paul's one of his reasons for mentioning that he, he was advancing in Judaism is to show how much what he's doing is from God and not himself.
1: Exactly. Well. From God,
2: um... from God, in the sense of look, this is the direction I was going in. You can see where I was going. Mm. Very, I was very into to use a, a slang yeah. into what I was doing. Yeah. And the fact that um, God sort of changed my direction in terms mm. of having me um, minister to the Gentiles mm-hmm. was not something I was looking at when I was doing my going in the direction right. I was going. So He's not referring to that what He was doing was bad. It's just. Right. That that shows you how much it's not, this was not something I thought for Because it's not something he would have thought
1: of on his own. Absolutely not. He was doing the exact opposite. And, you know, there, there's several ways, there's part of it is he's still enforcing his authority. Because, again, remember, the, who's, he's talking to Gentiles who are trying to make people Jewish. And he's in one sense saying, look, if anybody is Jewish, I was very Jewish. You mean
2: Jews, you
1: trying, Jews trying to make Gentiles, make Gentiles Jewish. Jewish? What did
2: I say? Gentiles, men- Gentiles
1: trying to make people Jewish. Jewish? Uh... No, well, exactly. Yes, trying to make, exactly Jews trying to make Gentiles yeah. exactly. So you know, he's he's uh, he's definitely trying to, to also, in addition to anything else, say, look, if anyone has the right to to, to you know to, to to do that, it would be not to do that, but it would be me. I Man, I knew all this Jewish stuff as well. Like, if you are saying I don't understand Judaism, I do, and I do. In fact, that's my whole purpose. And God still took me this, made me to realize that this is open to anybody, and that you come how you are called. Um, and, and the, the fact is, we don't have the details, but as he traveled and learned over those likely, you know, three years after this time that he's talking about, independent of the other Jewish apostles, you know, he was drawing deeply on his Jewish roots. It wasn't that he was saying, oh, why did I spend my time, you know, running those wind sprints to become so quick, whatever. The point is, he wasn't lamenting all that stuff. He was working through in his mind, how does this tie in with what I know now, what's been revealed to me now? And that's kind of... I don't want to say it came to the new revelation, but that's what this this was different from anybody else. Um, let's see here. I think what I wanted, I was going to talk on time. I don't want to go into that or not. Let's look at Matthew thirteen fifty two just for a moment. This kind of talks about what I was. <coughs> This is probably just a little bit of a description of someone like who Paul was, in a sense. Um, this is Yeshua speaking. This is Matthew uh, Matthew thirteen fifty two. Then he, Yeshua, said to them, Therefore, every Torah scholar, disciple for the kingdom of heaven, is like the master of a household who, you know, throws out all his old trash. That's not what it says, right? Is every tor- t- disciple for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, both new things and old. And this is, a, I think, a pretty good description of what's going on with Paul. Um, that he was probably this kind of describes describes him. So the fact is that a, a good Jewish education. And I wouldn't necessarily say that's even what we get at Yeshua Tzion, quite frankly. We're not getting a good, you know, yeshiva, Jewish synagogue education that you're going to get at Temple Sunday. Not at all. But, this, we sort of want to go back to, we're, we're studying the book of Galatians, but we don't want to forget our, the mission, our, part of our mission at Yeshua Tzion is to be able to talk to Jewish people, to understand that this is not true, you know, we're not talking to regular, quote-unquote, Christians, Catholics, whatever, but that a good Jewish education that maybe some people we're going to run into are getting, um, can be, you know, as opposed to being considered a, an antidote for ever believing in Yeshua. Because honestly, some Jewish parents are going to think that you know, if I'm send my I'm sending my kids to synagogue to get bar, bar mitzvah, to learn about all Jewish stuff, to protect them from ever believing in Jesus, <laughs> to be frank, you know. Uh, it, it, as opposed to that... Um, that a good Jewish education can, in fact, as difficult as it might seem sometimes, can provide very good uh, soil for bringing forth a deep understanding of Yeshua. You know, this may or may not mean anything to you. I see some nodding, which is great, because I think that's often the thought, is that if you're studying something Jewish, it's just going to take you further from Yeshua, and that's I mean, nothing can be further from the truth. But, Pauline? I just have a quick example oh,
3: of that. My daughter is um, in a group that... So she's a believer. She's in a group where she's coming around a lot of Jewish believers. And I think the Lord's just bringing them because Mm. she doesn't... There's no reason that these Jewish believers would... These Jewish people would be coming around her. Mm. But they say they don't know anything about being Jewish. But yet the little bits she's gotten from me, Uh little bits, she's like, well, you do that because of. You do Mm. that because of. You do that because she knows Scripture really well. Uh And she's just... They naturally oh. do things that they don't really realize directly are in Scripture. And mm. so she can open up Scripture just by some of the things they did growing up, and they say, well, I'm not a practicing Jew. And, yeah. and people say stupid things like, well, do you eat, they don't eat bacon because they're Jewish, and I mean, they're secular Jews. She's uh. like, of course they eat bacon. <laughs> yeah. So all these things that she's getting to kind of... But
1: she always brings it back to Scripture, which is real interesting to me how she's doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it's even, even people, you know, a mezuzah on your door, you know, every one of my relatives has one because they're Jewish, not because they, you know, follow the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, and it's for the, them and their household they serve the Lord, but that's that's the fact. That is the foundation of it. And things right there with Scripture in it. But,
2: but then said the Lord like that. Oh, yeah. You, you just. We'll just thing. Yeah, like gene <laughs> reflecting
1: or something. Let's uh, this would be a little pre. Do, like, you
2: know, <laughs>
1: we, we may uh, yeah, we make a star of David. when we do it? I Never <laughs> like, can do that. It's like this, 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 this. There you go. Two triangles. Right, I was reading something the other day. This,
5: this, that. It was pagan and symbol. Oh, boy. Well,
1: mm-hmm. well, you can get into that, yeah. <laughs> I wish we
0: had that.
5: the yeah. The
1: swastika <laughs> is actually a Hindu symbol. I mean, we can get into yeah. Yeah, remember. that.
0: Really you get some
1: Indian music CDs and it's got a swastika <laughs> on it, and you're like, oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> prosperity. A um, let's look just for the few minutes we have left because this is, this gets into some stuff. Maybe Chaim will pick up more with the next week, but I do want to talk about it briefly or just give a little couple thoughts. I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 5 of Chapter 2. Um... <laughs> the, 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 I, I didn't skip over, and if time wants to go back through it, he can. But you know, this, the, the what after the you know advancing in Judas and beyond my ears, and the whole butt conversation, in the context of that, is it talks about uh, you know Paul going off and learning and so forth and, and all that. And he says, you know, after 14 years, he says, I went up again to Jerusalem with uh, Barnabas, taking Titus with me, because of a revelation. I went up and presented to them the good news that I proclaimed among the Gentiles. But I did so privately to those who seemed to be influential to make sure I would, that I would not run or had not run in vain. Yet, not even Titus, who was with me, a Greek, was forced to be circumcised. Again, this is, this is a, a core issue, a, a real factual issue, this issue of circumcision. He says, now this issue came up because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom and Messiah in order to bring us into bondage. That we didn't give to them... Give into them for even a moment, so that the truth of the good news might be preserved for you. So, what does it mean that Paul and all these people had freedom in Messiah? I, I uh, this image came back. to I had a friend in Maryland, and uh, he he wasn't Jewish. But he was at our congregation, and uh, you know he would he would talk about you know taking bacon for example, and how good bacon is, and freedom in Messiah, baby. And he would just you know. Like, that, that was what him, you know, freedom and Messiah means, this kind of thing. Um, and I put in notes here that, uh, you know, what does it mean that they had freedom? Must it always mean freedom from something? Because I think that's the thought. Like, freedom from not being able to eat bacon, now I can eat bacon. It's always freedom from. Freedom from. Freedom from bondage. And I, I put in your notes, you know, uh, can it also mean freedom to do something? You know, does freedom of Messiah ever mean... Well, now you are free, you know. Yeshua fulfilled the commandments, fulfilled the Torah, i.e., they're done with that, versus he, filled, he showed us how to follow, he showed us how to obey God perfectly, to do the Father's will. Are we not free to do that? You know, it's, are we free? You know, bondage, um, the fact is is that bondage, I put this here, is, that, is always a result of you're submitting to sin, right? You're, you're giving in to sin. Um it's not the idea that you've given in to God's standards and you're under bondage because you gave in to God's standards. God has standards, right? Um, and you've given in to them, but you're free the Messiah. You see the, the difference there? Um, the fact is that legalism comes in many forms. If you remember I mentioned it last week. I mean, if we, if we focus, if we just talk about just the grace of God, do we miss, you know, maybe the, the power of the Spirit or something like that? Do you know what I mean? Do we, we miss something? When we focus on anything, anything can become legalistic. Remember, we talked about legalism, and legalizers, not Judaism and Judaizers. There is a difference. I'll um, well, let anyone has a comment, we have like one minute here, if anyone has a comment about that, or the idea of freedom and Messiah, what you have thought of when it comes to freedom and Messiah, or and maybe you agree with that, maybe you disagree with that, the idea, what, what this bondage is talking about, or what it means to be free, free and Messiah. Law of Messiah, we can talk about that to you, law of Messiah, law of, you know, this kind of stuff. Any, any thoughts or comments about that? I feel like I've spoken really fast, I apologize, but I did that. I'm glad I kind of got through that, but all of a sudden it's 8 o'clock, we started right at 7, so
3: um,
1: hopefully some of that's been enlightening, I, I hope, um, I think we're taking our time going through the book, I don't know exactly, I think Haim will teach next week, I'm not 100% sure, I'm going to twist his arms, I've had a busy week with him out of town, last Wednesday, Saturday, and this Wednesday, so I'm going to say, let's pray that he does teach, <laughs> so, so I can get a little breath here, uh, um, but hopefully some of that's been enlightening and, well you all have the notes, but again the notes and the recordings should be uh, online for you. So, Greg, um, would you mind closing please? Did I ask you to open? No, I asked Karen. So I was saving you for the lap for the end. My right. wife just thinks I talk too much. Nah, you're good at it. So. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we bow our heads
4: and we thank you for uh, whatever inspiration comes to us you had intended us to hear in our ears and uh, to grow in our hearts. Thank you for your word, Father. Uh, Thank you for uh, those uh, teachers of your word that uh, uh, bring to life uh, the human element of being inspired by um, the Holy Spirit. And uh, your will be done. Your words will never come back void. In in Jesus' name we pray and say amen.